Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello and welcome to episode 20 of The Front Three. My name is Adam Boltwood. Joining me, as always, is the one and only Lawrence McKenna. There probably is another Lawrence. In fact, there, there is actually another Lawrence McKenna. He's a, an ear, nose Same and throat. Thing. Yeah, he's an ear, nose and throat doctor. This is news to me. Yeah. <laughs> Surely, though. He keeps taking all the Lozcast ads. It's annoying me. Um, <laughs> all the handles. Yeah. Sure there's only think. one stat man, David O'Reilly. Surely. Imagine if there Surely. was another. <laughs> it's got, there can't be another one. Surely. Oh, there's definitely got to be other ones, but maybe not a stat master. Yeah. Maybe I've got that down to a two. Oh my God, I can't believe he's literally just called himself the stat master. <laughs> How are we both doing on this wonderful Wednesday evening? Uh, what? Just a little bit good, just really. Like, yeah. A little bit looking, forward, looking forward to the international break. Um, wow, international you must break. be the only one. That's not true. Everyone, I don't know why everyone bemoans it. It's a really good time. Like You get to go and see people in other settings. It's a bit of a time to reset. I don't know what your problem is with it. I like it because it's uh, time to relax. Uh, Premier League, okay. yeah. Oh. Well, is it? Or so is it time it, to make? You can't wind you know, a little bit. So it's it's time when, especially if you make content, people come to you and they kind of go, um, <laughs> "Guys, what can we do in this time? Because there's actually no football going on, so I don't know." And you're like, "Mate, there's still football. It's just it's not your football. Do you know what I mean?" Um, anyway, yeah. Anyway, on with episode twenty. Episode twenty. I think Lawrence, just before we we started recording, there you said. That means we've been going for five months. Five months. That's hard. That's more than what? half a baby. Jeez. I mean, that's one way of putting it. That yeah. is definitely one way of putting it. Um, so thank you, everyone, for sticking with us for five months. I mean, it's incredible. The don't response. think everyone stuck around. I don't well, think everyone stuck. I think, I think some people, people just... Oh. I think more people have joined, if anything. Really? Okay. Um, oh, yeah. So they joined the tribe. So thank you once again for listening to The Front Free, whether you're listening through SoundCloud or iTunes. Uh, if you are listening through iTunes, do make sure you subscribe so you never miss an episode every Wednesday. And also be sure to review the podcast because that would be very nice. We had a, a nice review last week from Oshbosh who said the only football podcast worth listening to... Football, was, football, football Ramble. No, he oh. said this is the only football podcast <laughs> I've into. What All weekly. What to say? What more is there to say? He's talking about the front three. He maybe right. landed on Baxter. But anyway, uh, the, the comment of the week <laughs> this week has to go on Twitter to Dale Payne. Oh, Dale. Actually, oh, Dale. the roaring of the front three of it me was and Dave. It was, it was quite something. He even got Dave's spotty shirt that he loves. That was the best bit for me. He got my, gla- he got my glasses on my head. I, feel, um, I, I did. I, I gave it a little bit of constructive criticism. I said, you know, there's too much facial hair for me. 
Dale came back and he said, yeah, you know, maybe I should have given you less facial hair and more ears. So, yeah. you know, but he's bantered me off straight yeah. away. Yeah, and he's done you there, Pop. Fair play, fair play probably switch him out for you. Anyway, thank you for listening again. Thanks, Thanks for making me number one, Dale. Thanks for your drawing, Dale. Number one, arguable. I thought you were Raphael, more than number two. But I mean, moving on, moving on. Listen, Wednesday is the day after the transfer window slams shut, as they say, to use the cliches. So what we're going to do is we're going to do a little transfer window review, focusing on the Premier League, each club in the Premier League, going through and grading their transfer business. And we'll also be talking about a few clubs in Europe and all their sort of dealings. So without further ado, I say again. Without further ado, what better place to start than Arsenal, seeing as they're the first uh, alphabetical team in the Premier League. Famously, or infamously, I should say, they're the only team in Europe's top five leagues to not sign an outfield player, Dave. The only incoming player all summer was Petr Cech for £10 million. I'm not sure that is correct. They signed Jeff Ren um, Ali Dare or something like that from Lille, Lille or something. I Staff just don't believe it. Player. I'm not sure about that. Maybe not first team, correct? He's a young lad, but he played in the Emirates Cup, you know, let's go along 17 years old. So let's go along with it. It's fun. <laughs> yeah, so listen, let's, we're going to grade each team just like a school, A to F. Dave, we'll start with you. What, what have you made of Arsenal's transfer business summer? Because there was a lot of angry fans yesterday, furious that Arsenal haven't signed A, a striker, and B, a central defensive midfielder. Well, I think the interesting thing with Arsenal is that they sort of they they don't fix everything at once. They fix everything sort of every year or so in the window. They'll fix one of their issues. For example, you know you had Mesut Ozil that came in as the first sort of fantasy player for Arsenal, brilliant attacking midfielder. Obviously, not been as good as he could be. Then you got Sanchez the year after, and then. This season, obviously, Peter Cech's coming in. So it's like Wenger's plugging up one of his big issues every sort of summer. But there is massive questions about, you know, two centre-backs they could probably probably get, you know, to maybe a partner for Koscielny. They need a defensive midfielder. They need a world-class striker. But it's a, it's a, Arsenal is a work in progress. And we'll see come, what, three, four years that they will be, you know, ch- challenging from the title. But it's just patience that's got to be right now. Obviously, the new stadium's coming in. So it's just a bit of patience for Arsenal fans. So for the Czech transfer, I'm going to give Arsenal Ooh. probably a C. It started very well. There was a lot of early promise, but you know when push came to shove, couldn't do it. So overall, you're giving it a C, Lawrence. Would you agree with that? Isn't Arsenal's like one of those A star students that you really probably that they're like the likable A star student, and they have good, uh, they have, they have, they, you know, they've got good grades. Um, but do they go on to do anything exceptional? I think that's the problem for Arsenal fans, isn't it? Is they they were really not spoiled, but they were de- you know they had this invincible team a few years ago. They had Thierry Henry, they had Pires, they had Bergkamp, they had uh, Ljungberg. They were the cool guys. They were the guys that everyone thought they are formidable. And now they are not such a formidable side. Do you know I think is that not the problem? Is that not the frustration for Arsenal fans that they could be if if Wenger just made one, two, three key signings? I know it's easier said than done, of course, but it must be so frustrating to be so close and yet so far. I think that's part of the, the, the overall transfer window is for most people, perception is reality. And if from the outside, you know, there's going to be a number of teams that we grade today and we are not supporters of those clubs and we haven't paid as much attention to those clubs as maybe other people have. We probably pay a bit more attention to Arsenal, but the perception of Wenger is he's not making these signings for a specific reason and people try and build something around that. There are little strands that they pull out, like the Benzema one stay, blah, 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 that they didn't go for Cavani. But we don't, I mean, really, if you take those things out and you say, well, which other manager would you put in that position? 
I think that that's been the most interesting exercise for me in this transfer window is what would you do if there was another manager? And most of the time what I've done is I've put a more exciting manager than most people in the Premier League, which would be Jurgen Klopp. So if you say you want to play the Jurgen Klopp style of football with Arsenal, I imagine that there is maybe a B or an A minus in there this summer for Arsenal, where it's a C because people have almost got used to the <laughs> the, the over over analysis and over repeated nature of what what goes on at I Arsenal. think so you're going to give it a C as well I think I, I, I'll give it a B I'll give it a B minus wow. because okay. I mean I think I think Petr Cech's a good one I, I agree with Dave and you also think there's probably a central you know what yeah C can't. you know what it might even give them a C minus because they had a mm. lot more to do mm. and they don't seem to have pushed themselves any closer to the title I think, so let's exactly so I think to have signed one um <laughs> They they have literally signed one first team player to strengthen their squad. I think it's obvious that they needed more than that if they're going to be able to compete with the likes of Manchester City, who obviously we'll come on to. So we'll, we'll go with C for Arsenal. We'll move on to Aston Villa briefly. So there is a consensus that Aston Villa have done good business this summer. So among the players they've signed, they've signed Jordan Amavi uh, for seven million from Nice. They've signed Jordan Ayew from mm. Lorient for nine million. Uh, Mark Bum, uh, the goalkeeper from Nice. For free, no, no, it's not coming. Uh, Rudy Gestead has also come in six million from Blackburn at Rovers. So uh, also you've got Jolyon Lescott who arrived uh, on the deadline day there. For slowly, one slowly working his way back to Wolves, <laughs> isn't he? He's like yeah, he's, he's, he's like dropping himself. He's like, I want to end my career at Wolves. I'll stay in West Brom. I'll stay in Villa, and I'm at Wolves. <laughs> Also, Mika, Richard, uh, Mika Richards for free. And also, Scott Sinclair arrives for £2.5 million from Manchester City. On the face of it, Lawrence, I mean, that looks like good business. It looks like they're strengthening a, a few key areas. They've bulked out the squad. Uh, yeah, I guess, I guess, again, it's the perception that they've lost Ben Teke and, um, and, and uh, Delphin there as well. Not two players. Darren Ben, obviously a key player himself. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it, I mean, it depend, depends what key means. Um, and... It, I, I guess, uh, I mean, if you ask any Villa fan, they probably say we don't know how they fit in yet. They look like typical middle-of-the-road Villa signings. They have incredible potential to do quite well. Some people say Jordan Ayew isn't quite the signing that they would have wanted. They would rather have Andre. Um, and considering that he came on a free, but there's an interesting one there. Um, I, I guess I would give them, for what they've managed to salvage from the summer, it's almost like they're the, I don't know, what do you call them? They're sort of like the middle of the class. Yeah, and that, but they no one really expects anything incredible from them. But that mm. slightly limits them because a few years ago people really did. Do you remember when they were like mm. Gareth Barry, Milner in midfield, like Bonlahor, Young? Who was the main striker that then? It was Carew. Now think about that for a mm. second. People expected stuff from um, a team with who led the line with John Carew. He was quite good at one point. Though, he, John yeah, Carew. yeah. But what, think about that, Dave. Lawrence, the, what grade are you going to go for? I know it's I'll, hard, get, you know, I'll give them a B. I'll give them a yeah. B because I think they're middle. They're middle of the road, you know. And they did, you know, they couldn't keep hold of their guys. But that was not necessarily their fault. B. Okay, so B. I think I'd agree with Lawrence there. I think you know, like he's saying, key players uh, moving out of the club are in Benteke, in Fabian Delft, but they have made good signings, Dave. One hundred percent. I think they've signed my two favourite players in the Premier League so far. Jordan Avaya has given them such an excellent energy down the left-hand side, um, and then Adrissi Gan, who's probably one of my favourite central midfielders in the Premier League this season, won fourteen tackles. Sixty-one percent of his tackles that he's gone in for, he has won. He's very energetic. He came from Le- he came from Lille in league and was very very good there. Him, he was a main man there, and he's really continued that form for Villa. I think he's going to be, you know, he'll probably get picked up by a, a much bigger side come the end of the season. Um, but you look at, you know. That. 
a man that we mentioned <laughs> mentioned before, uh, Jordan Ayew, and then Rudy Gisted. One of these players has got to start scoring goals. I think you know that's what Villa are sort of lacking at the moment. Scott, Scott Sinclair obviously started the season pretty well, but I think they need one of their central start strikers to start scoring the goals. Mm. Um, Amanda Traore is quite interesting from Barcelona, uh, an absolute pacey take on machine, but is he going to perform consistently? 19 years old, probably not. But no, I'd, I'd also say Villa probably a B. They've done pretty well. They've got rid of their Deadwood, Darren Bent, uh, Vyman, Matt Loughton, and they've signed pretty well. Adam uh, Traore, I was impressed by that. Always signing up on uh, Football Manager, so uh, well done to Villa there. Uh, moving on to Bournemouth, so obviously yesterday they signed Glenn Murray from Crystal Palace, bringing in an attacker there. Uh, they also signed Arta Burach, the goalkeeper from Southampton, on a free. Sylvan Distan, also on a free from Everton. Uh, Adam Federici from Reading. Max Gradle, Tyrone Mings, and of course Christian Atsu on loan, among others. Mm-hmm. Dave, what do you make of their business? It's always difficult for a promoted club um, you know, to strengthen the Premier League. So much competition, but they seem to have strengthened in one of the key areas, obviously, up front with Glenn Murray. I think Glenn Murray's a fantastic signing. It was a bit strange that Crystal Palace let him go, but I don't think Bournemouth have, have done enough to stay in the Premier League. You know, Max Gradle was a fantastic signing, but he's out for six months. Uh, Lee Tomlin's always been that level just below the Premier League. A fantastic player at Championship level, creatively brilliant, very excellent sort of attacking midfielder, second striker. But for me, they've just not done enough. You know, Borak is a pretty dodgy goalkeeper. Federici is a dodgy goalkeeper. Joshua King is is a decent Championship player. Then you look at like Sylvan Distan, who's sort of passed it. So for me, Bournemouth haven't done enough. They started with quite a you know a decent window, getting some signings in quite fast, but then they haven't really converted that. They've only really got Glenn Murray as a player that's going to really improve their squad at this level. So for me, I'm going to go with a D. Oh, okay, Lawrence, what would you make of that? It's pretty relative, though, isn't it? Um, I mean, if you look them, in, I think Dave's right to put them at the lower end of the, the spectrum, but then in perspective you know, a C was maybe the highest they could achieve because who else were they going to get in there? The, you know, the perception of the club from outside, you know, is that it won't stay up, even though it's a very... The part of them, what they had to attract people on was that A, it was an exciting project and B, if they brought some Premier League experience in and I also think, um, you know, if they kind of told people this is where we're building to and obviously you get to work with one of the most promising managers in the country then that's a big sell. But Dave's right in what he says. They started strong, but that's because the market was quieter then. And I think when the market gets more competitive, it's hard for teams like Bournemouth to compete. And we're looking more at loan signings at that point. Um, so what, what so I'm, are you going to... I'm going to... I'll say a C- minus because I feel like a D is a little bit unfair because of where I Bournemouth like, sit. Like <laughs> um, it's a shame for, for Bournemouth that Mings and obviously a great or... Uh, sustained injuries yeah. last weekend. That sort of, you know, that doesn't. But that doesn't change. Well, I guess it does change their transfer. It's just a shame. Up, but yeah, yeah, you can't. Yeah, you can't um, legislate that, especially not at a club on a budget. What are you saying, Adam? I'll, I'll go for a C. I mean, I've, I've got hope for Bournemouth. I mean, we saw. Can you put the minus and pluses in, please, though? Because that's. Do you don't have to, though, do you? No, you absolutely do. Do you? No, you, well, you don't have to. But I think a solid C is a little bit generous, mate. <laughs> No, I feel, I feel bad for Bournemouth. I feel, I'm going to give them a straight C. I'm going to go for it. Listen, well, let's move on to Chelsea. So obviously last season, Chelsea were a team who were incredibly efficient in the transfer market. It's somewhat of a different story this summer. They missed out on John Stones, obviously, with Everton refusing to sell. On deadline day, they apparently made two big bids for Makinios, the Brazilian defender at PSG. Mm. And there was interest in Paul Pogba, reportedly. 
So it's been, it's been a bit of a little bit of a mixed transfer window for Chelsea. They have signed Baba Rahman from Augsburg. They've signed Pedro, of course, head of Manchester United for 21 million uh, from Barcelona. They've got Asmir Begovic uh, to replace Czech as their reserve goalkeeper. And they've got, how am I going to pronounce this? Papa. Do you know how to pronounce it? I don't ask. Is it Papa? I heard it, I heard it yesterday, but G- I forgot what it was. It- G- Jolie Boji. From Jolie Bogey, great try, right? great try, Adam. I'll give you a D. I'll give you a D plus. <laughs> yeah, I think yeah. I think that's generous. Mm. Um, and of course, they've also got Falcao on loan. Pedro. Yeah, Lawrence. As I'm saying, last season everyone was like, right, Chelsea strengthened in all the key areas they needed to strengthen in. They've done a great job in the market. They go ahead and win the league. This season, it's somewhat of a different story. Yeah, very different story. Um, you, I don't think it's anything to do with. Um, with Mourinho sitting, resting on his laurels somewhat, but you would feel they've missed out on some of the top grades. They feel a bit like the school bully in that sense, that they've tried to throw their way. And quite a few people within Europe feel a bit like the school bully. I feel like United were doing that. I feel like Real Madrid definitely tried to do that with David Teja and what they uh, got out of that. And I, I mean, you, you slightly think that they almost look like the people who were looking over Manchester United's shoulder during the test and going, oh, Pedro, that's a good answer. Um, and then <laughs> using that as the answer. Um and then United going, I didn't want my answer anyway. Um, didn't want it. Yeah, didn't want it. That, that was a weird one. Um, uh, so I'm going to say I'm going to say C, uh, C for Chelsea because they acquired mm-hmm. Pedro um, and got rid of some of what Chelsea would uh, put as dead wood in Quadrado. Um, so I'm going to have to say a C again because I don't think they were exceptional. I think the signing of Falcao is not nearly the signing that they needed. I, I didn't realise Baba Rahman cost them 21 million. That's a lot of money, isn't it's it? As much nice. as Pedro. Mm. I'm surprised that. But uh, so, David, you know, start of the season, Ivanovic obviously has been in poor form. Or the whole defence, arguably, has been in poor form for Chelsea. They have made a few signings there, but they did miss out on that key central defender, John Stones, who they who they desperately wanted. Yeah, I think it's 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 been a poor window for them. I think uh, Rahman's pr- a pretty decent defender for Augsburg last season. Very energetic fullback, pretty good at tackling. Um, Pape, I've not seen much of him to be quite honest. But the signing of Pedro is pretty brilliant to be quite honest. You know, one of, he's going to be one of the best right wingers in the Premier League this season. He's going to score over ten goals, I reckon. Premier League. Falcao is a terrible, terrible deal. What I'm sort of uh, a bit worried for Chelsea is the players that they've lost. Obviously, Czech Drogba. These are massive players in the dressing room. Who's going to step up and replace them? You know, they've They've let Mo Salah go, a, a, a good player. They've let Cuadrado go, an excellent player. Felipe Luis has gone back to Atletico Madrid. They seem to have not, like we, like you mentioned at the start of this Chelsea little t- topic, they seem to have not strengthened at all and they've lost a lot of key, key names in the dressing room. I mean, what, one thing Barney Renee pointed out the other day was um, that they, they've got none of that spine that was there a few years ago. And I know a number of people have pointed that out since, but there's no Czech, there's no Terry, no Lampard, no Drogba. So what, what gradings are we going for? I reckon a, maybe a C minus. They're in that top group, aren't they? But they're, they're bullying that top group. Mm-hmm. Um, they maybe don't sell. I'll go for a C plus because Pedro, Pedro brings it up a little bit for me. P for plusing Pedro. What, what are you, are you going for plus as well? Uh, I'll, go, I'll just go solid C, Adam. Oh, I'll have to give me <laughs> bantering me on for it. No bantering, um, mate. No bantering. 
Let's move on to to Palace. So obviously everyone loves Palace. Uh, every, Palace. Many people's second team, I'd say. Um, they've again have done some good business. Johan Kabay was obviously the headline signing, ten million pound from Paris Saint Germain. But they also signed Bakary Sacco for free from Wolves. He's made a bit of an impression at the start of this season. They also got Patrick Bamford on loan from Chelsea, Connor Wickham from Sunderland for eight million pounds, and Alex McCarthy from QPR for three point five million. Dave. Crystal Palace obviously did really well last season, finished in the top half, still going strong this season. What do you make of their dealings? Oh, obviously, Johan Kabai is an absolute excellent you know, part of that team now. He's controlling the show. I, I did think that the fee was a little bit too high. You know, 13 million for Kabai uh, it, was, it was a bit large, but it looks like it's sort of you know coming through. I was wrong there, going to admit it. But uh, you know, apart from that, it's been a pretty average summer for Palace. Wickham... You know, he's had the potential for a number of years, but he needs to push on now. Bakary Sacco is going to be an interesting one. Um, I went to a Fulham Wolves game last season in, in the League Cup, a pretty terrible game, but he was he was pretty decent that day. He played on the left-hand side, very powerful forward, and he's obviously shown in the Premier League. He's got two goals already, so, you know, he's doing well. What, what grading are you going to go for, Dave? Again, I think they started very well, but then they've let themselves down a bit, so... Wow. Are you the headmaster? Yeah, that's who I am, Lawrence. I'm going to give a C-. I think that's a little bit harsh. I think I'm going to go for a B, because I think they've they've strengthened up front, which is obviously very important. Bakary Sacco looks like a little bit of a bargain, but as you say, you know, he might not be able to perform at that level all season. And Johan Kabai, I think, is a great signing. So I'll go for a B. B, B. Yeah, Lawrence, what are you going for? I'll go Kabai. C for Kabai, because... You know what, they could have, if one of those key players gets injured, you worry a little bit about what happens. Um, the same happened a little bit with Pardew's Newcastle. That If you take one of the key spine out, which I'd imagine happens with most teams, but you take one of the key spine out, you you lose a lot of the structure within the side. And Kabai is a really critical part That's of that midfield. So I don't think it's harsh. I think it's where, you know. That's I, an inescapable factor of being, you know perhaps a mid-table Premier League team you can't have. Mid- you can't in Manchester City where you've got two sets of, of world-class 11 players. No, but they're certainly a mid-table team who have higher aspirations and I think therefore we're going to evaluate them like that. We're not going to evaluate them in the same way as a newly promoted club or someone else who's just looking to stock up. They're looking to <laughs> to uh, make their place in the Premier League solid now. So I'm going to grade them on that and therefore give them a, a C, possibly a really? C+. Plus. Yeah. yeah. Yes, Adam. Yeah. B. I'm going for um, right, let's move on to Everton. Obviously, part of their window, you would say, is keeping hold of John Stones out of the clutches of Chelsea. Players they've brought in as well. They've got Tom Cleverley on a free from Manchester United. Arguable how valuable that addition is. They've also got Gerard Delefeu from Barcelona on a permanent deal this time. That's £4.2 million. Um, they also signed on deadline day Ramiro Funes-Mori from River Plate for £9.5 million. As I said, they've kept hold of John Stones Lawrence. Uh, maybe that was their best business of the summer. Um, I mean, keeping hold of him was good. They said, you know, he changed his mind in the end uh, or he, he'd had a, a crisis of conscience or whatever. Um, I think people are perpetually frustrated with Everton because they, you know, they're building a great basis for where they want to go to, but they never actually seem to build there because the lack of invest the lack of serious investment i think to take them to the next level is a problem so i think they they don't they didn't promise a lot but at the same time they they didn't deliver a lot um and they're a club who i I think are in a similar region to crystal palace i'm gonna have to give them i'm gonna have to give them a d i think keeping hold of john stones was fine but i I just don't Mm. think it's it's an it's not enough Mm. 
I am inclined to agree with you. They obviously didn't sign a striker, which you might say they need backup for uh, for Lukaku, who's sort of quite inconsistent. And maybe uh, some creativity in midfield was needed, Dave. So maybe a D is maybe a fair one for Everton. I don't know. I think they did very well keeping hold of Stones and Ross Barkley. Mm-hmm. You know, he started the season yeah. absolutely flying in sort of a, playing an attacking midfield role behind Lukaku. But again, like you're saying, the, the investment isn't really there. Cleverly, Delafeo. Lennon, you know, these are players that aren't going to take Everton to the next level and maybe that's what they need to do. They need to build slowly but, but invest quite heavily. I do like the signing of Tom Cleverley. Functionally, he's been very, very good for Everton. He's been yeah. giving them great balance in midfield because they've been playing um, Aruna Kone on the, on the left or the right and then Tom Cleverley on the other flank. So, you know, Tom Cleverley joining midfield and making them nice and compact. But again, a D is... It's probably a right for Everton. I would have potentially sold John Stones as well. It's good that they've kept him for the future of their Blimey. club. But £40 million they could have got for him. Then they could have invested in, built, bought some new players. They would have kept Barkley still. You know, it's one of those things where I just don't think they've done, they haven't done enough. See that, Adam? Perception is reality there. You, because if, if David said at the beginning of that, mm. um, I don't know, uh, oh, they should have sh- sold Stones and we'd have graded them down for that then we could have painted a very different um, message about the club. But instead, no, they, what we're saying is he kept well. hold of him. But whereas you know, well, D- Dave's, saying, Dave's saying the opposite, that they didn't cash in. So I guess mm. it's all down to perception. It is indeed. It is indeed. Uh, that's why we've got the three of us on it. That's why we're rating it. Different perceptions. I like it. We're all going for some very similar grades at the moment. But um, let's see if that changes the further on we get down. Um, so next up, we've got Leicester. So um, they brought in Nathan Dyer on loan from Swansea yesterday on deadline day. Sixth signing of the summer. They've also strengthened in in a number of areas. Gokan Inla is probably the most high-profile pro- high signing from Napoli for five million. I was impressed by this one. I mean, you know, I thought that was a good signing. F- feel free to, to, to... The day when football broke, when Gokan Inla moved to, moved to Leicester it's City. Bad, <laughs> I mean, no, but it's, it, I think it's exciting, but I mean, that's... It's, it's surprising. It's a surprising move. You wouldn't have seen that come in. Um, they also signed Shin, Shinji Okazaki from oh. Mainz for £7 million. Uh, Robert Hoof came in on a undisclosed. Uh, they also got Christian Fuchs from Schalke on a free. It was uh, practically an orgy of transfers, wasn't it, Adam? <laughs> yeah, in many ways. In many ways, you might say that. Um, Dave, Leicester. Claudio Ranieri's there. As you said, the world's gone mad. Gokhan Inla's gone for Leicester. Good signings, no? Yeah, definitely good signings, isn't it? They're, they're sort of building on what they did last season. Cambiasso, though, is a massive, massive loss. Obviously, we've already spoken about Cambiasso, and we've got an evil Lawrence Spain McKenna who doesn't <laughs> love Cambiasso, but we're going to continue. Maybe Gokhan Ingler can step up and be that guy. Quite like the signing of Angulo Kant, a very combative midfielder. Ogasaki is very, very good at finishing. You're probably going to see him score quite a few goals in the Prem this season. So they've done all right, but they've got to keep this form going on. In 2015, they've they've been pretty pretty darn good. They've scored, I think they've scored the fourth most goals in the Premier League. They've Their points total is pretty brilliant. So they've just got to keep this going on, keep this run, keep the spirit at home. Hopefully Ranieri can sort of, you know, keep them, t- keep them ticking along. What grading are you going to give their, their work over the summer? Uh, it's it's alright. It's average. It's a B. Mm. They've bought some half-decent players. That's average, Dave. That's about okay, average. let's go for a C then. Take it back. A C minus then. Let's be evil. Yeah. I mean, Lawrence, what do you make? Because as Dave's saying, Cambiesa is a big loss, but Inla surely is a, is a more than adequate replacement in many ways. Loss of, yeah, but like you say, that loss of Cambiasa. Um, is is pretty key. Um, also, the way they handled some of the, the PR was pretty poor. Um, although I think changing manager really did help. 
um, and probably would take this team to another level if Ranieri can continue that. I'm still going to say C because I agree with everything is fairly average right now within the Premier mm-hmm. League. Um, the problem being that also we're almost surrounded by Premier League um, fluid. So, mm-hmm. you know, you, it's hard to get that perspective. I think there are, you know, if, if we're judging just within the Premier League, which we are, then I think they've done, they've had a reasonable summer. But I wonder if you were to compare them to another side, uh, like you know, have they have they spent more money than Dortmund or less money than Dortmund this summer? Uh, you know, if they uh, look elsewhere in Europe and see maybe some of the comparable transfers that have been made there. Reasonably quiet window. Julian Does Google know the answer, Dave? Google does know the answer. Google is getting called right now. Um, while he looks at I'll just say that I think I'm going to give it a B minus. Okay, fair enough. I think Leicester have made some good signings. I think you know Nathan Dyer could could turn out to be quite an astute signing on loan as well. And, you know, Gokhan Inler's, I think he's a great player. Famously turned up to his Napoli unveiling in a, in a lion mask. Did you see that one? Disappointed, yes. disappointed that he didn't do that at Leicester. Um, I mean, it would have been, yeah. I mean, I suppose you'd rather he turned up in a fox mask. but um, Yeah, I, as we said. Um, Dave, have Dortmund spent more money than Leicester. Leicester appear to have spent about... Higher or lower, Dave? 12 million. Yeah, but are we talking about spend Rough. or net spend, Adam? Oh, don't talk to me about net spend, mate. Don't talk to me about um, net spend, mate. I mean, on net spend, it looks like... It, it looks like <laughs> Leicester has spent 8 million then. Sorry, lads, I just went on a bit of a rant and left my, mute, my mic muted. Very, oh, very okay. stupid. Very stupid, Dave. I like that. Um, so if, if we want to go net spend, Borussia Dortmund, net spend, 2.59 million. Leicester's net spend is minus 20.3 million. Minus so 23. I've beaten Leicester. That's, that's fantastic. They've, so they've, they've managed to accrue more money this summer. Correct. They've made cash. Has that changed the grading, Lawrence, from a, from a C? Somewhat harsh C, you might say. No, no, because I do feel... I feel. Um, no, I was talking to Chris Hennage, the only one who didn't get drawn in that photo who's also been on the podcast, uh, in, the, fo- in, the, in the, the, the drawing done by the, the lovely guy. Um, Dale Payne. Dale Payne, which also... I just love anyone with a second name of Payne because you can just shout when they're near. Yeah, Bring the pain. Good. Um, pretty good. Uh, what I would say is... Uh, uh no, I no, might have to pause you there, Lawrence. Sorry, mate. Um, the interpretation of the net spend might be wrong here. So, Leicester, <laughs> so just, I think well, I said it a bit wrong, right? So David, Dortmund, your interpretation, just let me say Dortmund that, okay? made 2.59 million and Leicester lost uh. 20.3 million. <laughs> yeah. So Leicester were rubbish. That's yeah. stuff, is that right? Well, that's what, I was, that's what I was saying. I thought that was oh, what sorry, was being said. I, I thought it was the other <laughs> way around. Oh, okay. Uh, what you, okay, I, I'd interpreted it the I think what I think is the correct way. Um, <laughs> what I'm going to say, I mean, either way, I, I still think to be within the realms of other European German clubs, probably a good place to be. Um, should we also say, I've had the conversation with Chris and Hennig the other day, and he was talking about, obviously, the influence of TV money this summer is going to be huge. And it's the first summer of TV money. Um, and, that, you know, that, I think that's, that's going to ha- play a big part in the Premier League and keeping people and solidifying the status of a lot of Premier League clubs. They will invest that money and hopefully... Um, do it in a fairly savvy way, which will keep them uh, in the league. Like Leicester may have done. B minus for me. B minus. Let's move on to uh, Liverpool. So obviously a very busy. A plus. Summer. Move on, mate. A plus. No, very on. busy summer for Liverpool. Obviously, just won thirty first. million pound striker and nothing else. Brilliant. Dominated at first by Raheem Sterling, who did eventually leave for £49 million for Manchester City. Um, we also had Iago Aspas 
outgoing. Yeah. Uh, Fabio Barini went for eight million. Yeah. Gerard, of course, uh, moved on to LA Galaxy. Thirty million they got for him. So yeah, great. something like that. Uh, and uh, Ricky Lambert went to West Brom. So they've taken the, the money they've got from those outgoings, and they've put a lot of into Christian Benteke, who arrived for thirty-two point five million. Um, also Roberto Firmino, who was twenty-nine point five million from Hoffenheim. Bogdan, of course, Adam Bogdan, the goalkeeper for free. And Nathaniel Klein, 12.5. Joe Gomez, 3.5, who's been somewhat of a revelation this season. Um, Danny Ings, still uh, awaiting how much that fee is going to be uh, via an independent tribunal. And, of course, James Milner on a free transfer, which is a great signing. So it's been a very busy summer for Liverpool, uh, Lawrence. What, what have you made of that? Nine signings. Yeah. Uh, very diverse summer isn't it for Brendan Rodgers um, and again more journalists sort of saying this is the the closest we're going to get to what Brendan Rodgers maybe wants out on the pitch and so so far you'd say that's fairly well I mean it's, it's essentially it's what Swansea got to with Brendan Rodgers where it was one nils and uh, big losses sometimes um, Harry Redknapp today said he doesn't think he thinks Liverpool have got one of the worst squads they've had in years Harry Redknapp does forget Liverpool once had Paul Koncheski at left back Um I, yeah, I also I, I think it's fairly decent summer. What you often wonder at Liverpool is, would it be better to spend a forty or fifty on someone than say, um, you know, yeah. the number of signings? Would it have been better if Liverpool had really tried to go all out? Although there wasn't really anyone in the market this summer that you would have said, you know, if Liverpool really broke the bank for him, that would change the team seriously. Um, I mean, who could Liverpool have signed this summer that would have been a massive? Yeah, I mean, um, is, he, is he, like you say, it's easy to go out and say, oh, they should have signed Royce or they should have signed, you know, Cavani or Benzema, whoever. The reality you is do, I mean, quite different. But what you do think is, I mean, if Liverpool then do sign a Royce or they do sign, you know, what does that do to the perception of the club? What does that do for someone like Brendan Rodgers who then has, a, you know, a fantastic player but maybe needs to bed him in or fit him in? And I'd say, you know, that, that puts Liverpool in this £30 million category. That, But I think, you know, they, they did well to address the week. Weakness in attack. Obviously, Mario Balotelli didn't cut it last season. Neither did Ricky Lambert. They brought in Benteke. Very expensive. But, I mean, he is a, sort of a goal-every-two-game striker. He's a powerful striker. He's going to have better yeah. service, better quality around him. Well, is he? I mean, he looked fantastic against Arsenal, but then looked very isolated mm. against uh, West Ham. But that was, again, down to Brendan Rodgers. So, I guess, exactly. if, if we're reading Liverpool's essay, which is going to get them the A or the B or possibly the C. I put the B at the moment. My reason being that I think they set out their store very early. They've always said that they don't exist totally within Moneyball because, you know, a lot of their expenditure has been huge, but they're looking for good value from reasonable amounts of investment, which is 30 million-ish kind of area. Um, so overall, I'd give them a B because I think Benteke is a good buy and Firmino is a good buy. I will um, go for a B as well. Dave, briefly-ish, uh, what do you make of Liverpool's Well, window? they lost the magic front four of Ricky Lambert, Mario Balotelli, Markovic and Barini. Yeah, what does Brenders do? How does he deal with that? And he's done very well. On loan, <laughs> he's done very, a lot of very well. Fans upset about that. You've got Christian Benteke, you've got Nathaniel Klein, you've got Firmino, you've got Joe Gomez, uh, James Milner. I think they've done very well. They did all their business early. You're going to see a lot from Firmino in the in the current in the next season. He's just going to you know slowly adapt. Benteke only scores goals after January the first, so we're just going to wait until then for him to start bagging the goals. Yeah. Very good window for Liverpool, in my opinion. I'm going to give them a B plus. Moving on, uh, we're going to have to. We're not even halfway through the table, uh, through the leagues. So we need to start getting a bit quicker. Um, so I'll come straight out and say I think Manchester City, the next team, had a fantastic window, and I'm going to give them an A minus. Um, so they obviously brought Kevin De Bruyne, 
um, for around £55 million. Fabian Delph uh, from Aston Villa for £8 million. Nicolas Otamendi for £34, £33 million. Um, and I also bought Raheem Sterling, of course, for £49 million. Those are the major signings. Obviously, a lot of money splashed. And they also outgoings where Edin Dzeko has gone on loan to Roma, Jovetic has gone on loan to Internazionale. Uh, they've also lost Lampard, of course, uh, James Milner, Nastasic, Boyata, uh, Guidetti as well has gone. So, I mean, for Manchester City last season, they've done, for me, what Chelsea did the season before. They've strengthened all the key areas. They've brought in, in many ways, world-class players into those positions. So, you know, looking at their first 11, it is, without doubt, the best in the league. And, you know, I think they're, they're fairly favourites for the title. Dave? Yeah, 100%. They bought the best player in the Bundesliga, Kevin De Bruyne. They bought the best defender in uh, La Liga, Otamende. And then they bought the best young player in the Premier League. So they've done very, very well. A-plus, I'm going to go with. Delph is a bit of a bargain as well, I think, for £8 million as well. Yeah, it could fit in quite nicely in their system if they wanted to play a little bit more defensively on the counter-attack. You could play Delph left midfield, have a better option there maybe. Then you've got Silva, can have play that free role at number 10. So they've got a lot of dip. They've got so much depth, it's ridiculous. The one weakness, you might say, Lawrence, is um, the season when they last won the league, they had Aguero, and they obviously had Alvaro Negredo, as well as Edin Dzeko up front. A lot of depth up front. This season, they've got Sergio Aguero, of course, who is he does have injury problems. They've yeah. got Wilfried Bonny. So maybe that's the one area of weakness. They don't have another great striker in there, which you know they've had for, for years now. Yeah, um, well, uh, what I would say is... Uh, when you have a huge amount of money to spend on wages or you have a huge amount of money to spend on uh, any of the players, then maybe you should be achieving something like City have uh, achieved. So you know, yeah, what, yeah. what are we supposed to Are we supposed to say A-, A minus, well done? Or are we supposed to say sort of, well, look at your major investment that you've done? Yes, A minus, well done. But I mean, this is what was expected of you. You were the richest club in the league. So you've gone about your business. You've gone about it well, I yeah. think. Um, but I mean... You know, it is, it is what is expected. There's other clubs, maybe the next club we're going on to, who are similarly rich, who didn't handle their comings and goings so well. Really, they fell asleep in class, Adam. In many ways, yes. Um, so would you go for an A then, Lawrence? Or do you think, you know, they're just doing what is expected? They're doing what they should have done already. So Do I go for an E or do I go for a D? Uh, I mean, that um, would be slightly <laughs> Well, I mean, I'm just spelling out the name which is responsible for it, Adam. Um, <laughs> a lot of people saying people are put off by playing under Louis. Um I don't know. It just there's a constant, almost uh, reimagination by the press of what Manchester United are doing. So every well, time that give, we well, we haven't given you Man City grade yet. Before we move, I gave him an A minus. You gave him that. Okay. So as yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, the, who cares? Uh, it's a minus. <laughs> they're going to win the league. Um, what we care yeah. about is evaluating Manchester United. Oh, now this is juicy, isn't it? This uh, is a juicy. One. It is juicy because I've had a lot of conversations with people who get very defensive about Manchester United summer. And when you say, um, "Oh, you know, didn't get Pedro," they go, "I didn't want him anyway." And you go, "Well, well actually, I mean, no," because for a long time people were really talking him up. And let, then you have a conversation with a very reasonable fan like Dave, who can do an almost uh, outside analysis of Manchester United, and you realise the internal perception, the external perception, is quite different. Let me just set it up in by saying that there's almost two halves to Manchester United's window. The first half, the early signings, Memphis Depay comes in, Bastian Schweinsteiger, Morgan Schneiderlin, Matteo Damian and uh, Sergio Romero at the tail end of that first half. Yeah. Very impressive. I think uh, people were very impressed with those signings, uh, addressing key areas of the squad. Memphis Depay, potentially you know, a world-class player in the future. Great signing. Then there's this second half the window where there was a lot of outgoings not as many incomings 
And in many ways, Dave, they're almost left with a squad that is actually weaker than last season. It's crazy. We've got like nine, 18 players in the first team squad or something crazy like that. We've let nine players go that were in and around the fringes last season. Adnan Yanazai, I don't know why he's gone. You know, I would have kept Von Persie over Wayne Rooney. Um, I think that we signed well at the start, like you mentioned, but we've not signed the problem. The problem area was the centre-half centre slots. We've seen this season already against Swansea, have already exposed that left channel behind Daly Blind. Chris Smalling has been excellent, but he has weaknesses in defending in wide areas. We've not bought someone like Matt Hummels and we've not bought someone aggressive like Otamendi that could have been a really good partnership. They were on the market available and we've not done that. Bastian Schweinsteiger, was good, Morgan Schneidlin was good, uh, Martial's going to be a very, very good player in the Premier League eventually, the pie eventually is going to be good, but for me it's just, it's really confusing, what, like, what, what has happened? It seems like two weeks ago, right, it was okay, it was going well, and then last week we just sold everyone, we sold squad players that are like been decent, have been around the squad for a while, and it just feels like LVG potentially is, is annoying too many people, and too many people are just thinking, right, I don't want to play for this man anymore. There oh, is I don't that. know, oh, partly... I there was, a, mm. there was a wonderful evaluation on The Guardian's podcast this week from Raf Honigstein, who was sort of saying about uh, Bayern, how he you know, managed to alienate players. And they tend to be certain kinds of players that he alienates. Um, well, really good players. <laughs> well, I mean, we say, we say really good, but I mean, the perception is really good. But it's also, it tends to be also a certain kind of player. He has consistently um, alienated South Americans out of places, um, apparently, um, and consistently alienated certain kinds of players out. Um, so it's a bit of a weird one. Um, and you just wonder, do, does everything line up at United? Are the feet, are, is the brain working with feet? But which one's no. which? Is, is LVG the brain or is he the feet? Or, you know, <laughs> um, it, 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 there's almost a Rick Parry versus Rafa Benitez-esque relationship that goes, goes on in the media. Um, yeah, I, you know, I, yeah. I mean, Mark. I was speaking to Marcus Feller the other day, and he sort of said to me, "I just love the idea of David Moyes on a veranda somewhere, just being ridiculously happy with himself that he got out." <laughs> Sipping a margarita. Yeah, exactly. Well, you know, um, what's, what's wrong with that? It is. I think Dave and and obviously yourself alluding to it there. There is this lack of almost strategy, which just seems absolutely yeah, baffling. No Edward Wood came in um, when Sir Alex Ferguson retired, twenty thirteen. We're here two years later. And still, as Dave said, those key areas of the squad haven't been addressed. The centre-back, central defence position is just such a glaring hole. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. And yet, players like Tyler Blackett go out on loan. Johnny Evans joins West Brom for six million. You're looking up front. 
United have obviously got Wayne Rooney, who isn't firing on all cylinders so far. They've brought in Anthony Martial for £36 million. That's an initial fee. It could rise to £58 million if certain you know, add-ons and clauses are met. But it, it seems... We were talking about Manchester United as being title challengers when that first phase, that first wave of transfers came through. Now they look almost reckless to go into the season with... You know, potentially Sergio Romero as their number one for a few games at least. Nah, the will be the number one until he sorts his head out. I'd say you know for a few games he's gonna Romero will be the number one. So all sides also, dealt with let, that terribly. To let Robin van Persie go, to let Javier Hernandez go, to let Adnan Yanazai go, it just seems bizarre. Do you not think it's all? Do you not think though that that you know we could also be portraying this as you know Luvan Garner has a, a core squad. He's got players that can play in a number of different positions, and as he works on those guys and works them into form throughout the season, maybe through the international break, then we see a bit more of this this team take form. We see a side that's able to play in multiple positions. We see them changing the Wayne Rooney role. We see them changing what you know the, the influence that Daley Blint has on the squad, what Schneiderlin does, and we see a side that slowly mm. forms throughout the season and and begins to build something up? I'm going to say they need more depth. I think, as Dave said, they've got 18, 18 first-team players. Did you say that, Dave? Some, something like that. Or 18 first-team outfield or something. Yeah, crazy. It's just, just not seen, Yeah, when you look at Manchester City, I know they're the richest club in, in the league, maybe one of the richest clubs in the world. Their, their squad is so strong, even Chelsea, you know. For Manchester United to not have the strength and depth in key positions like up front, like centre-back, just seems... Uh, Foolish. Do you, do you think luxury? Do you think? I mean, this is something I was evaluating the other day. We're dropping down. We are dropping down. England is dropping down in the coefficient in UEFA. Uh, you know, Liverpool were in pot B the other day for uh, for the draw um, in Europa League. Um, people are spending exorbitant amounts of money, but FFP really isn't doing enough about that, <laughs> uh, or if anything. And you know, what is FFP? Well, there, there have been a number of good articles about the way that FFP works and how it's kind of almost been bureaucratically reined in because people realise, well, we need to make a product here, and so there's a lot of posturing about, you know, will it work? Won't it work? How will it work? Is it punishing certain people? And a lot of people saying it's unfair. Some, uh, the, you know, the, the, the powers that be seem to be controlling things again and it, it just isn't working very well from Premier League. Uh, David Conn the other day was, was giving a good speech and I thought it was very interesting how he was basically talking about, and he has consistently spoken about this, but one of the weirdest decisions ever by the FA was the, the, just the allowing of the Premier League to even be formed in the first place because of the sheer influx of money and the, but then the, the cavalier and maverick way that we were allowed to just have the Premier League, you know? It happened in the early 90s on that, that Thatcher wave. But you sort of think, how different is that going to make things? And as more and more money pours into the league, as more and more money is, mm. is, is put into the league, how does that change it? Because it's, money isn't necessarily a good thing. I said it on last week's podcast. I've said a number of podcasts. Since. It doesn't always mean... It, luxury can sometimes, you know, almost give you gout. If, if that's <laughs> it's, it's strange in a way, you know, we, like we're seeing, we're seeing teams like Stoke sign, you know, uh, Shakiri, like we were saying earlier, Leicester signing the likes of Gokhan in there. So you'd say the mid-table teams, the teams lower down the league are improving in many ways. They're signing a, a higher standard of player. But the, the league does seem weaker. It does seem to be getting, I don't know. It, it doesn't seem as strong as it was maybe five years ago. Is it? Is it? Is it? But is it? Is the competition weakening the league? Because I mean, certainly <laughs> those lower, those lowered. Uh, there's a lot of positives you can probably take in there. Better developing managers, uh, mm. a, a lot of young managers, a lot of young players. I mean, you look at. I was saying. I think I said that last week. The amount of kids from South London coming through uh, at Liverpool, a, a number of different teams. 
there's a lot of promise there, but at the same time, it, it almost seems if it's not them that get in the way. It's the it's the system which is in place, and that's a rampant set of almost capitalist ideals which which get in the way. It's a very interesting conversation, but it's one that we don't unfortunately have time for today. B minus Lawrence for your shitty essay. No, I give that an A for the essay, but for Manchester United, what are we going for? I'm going to go for a D minus. I think. I'm going in. I think it's an F. Yeah, failed. I don't know. Do you not think that's harsh, actually? Because they did sign Schwein, uh, Schneiderlin, they signed Schweinsteiger, Depay. So, like, we've not done anything different. Like, mm. There's nothing, you know, they, like we mentioned before, there's not, they've not dealt with the issues. There's been no planning in the window. You know, I could have signed Sebastian, Sebastian sorry, Bastian Schweinsteiger, could have signed <laughs> could have signed Depay. I could have done that, but it just seems like the next level, it's just not there. You know, Damien's come in and he's done very well defensively going forward. It's, you know, questionable about his impact going forward we might need a bit more of that if we're getting one matter coming inside it's i don't know i just think a bit feel a bit depressed at the moment because it, it's sort of like we we've, we've had this opportunity to get again in being to be a competitive side in the premier league and we've messed up we've sort of done an arsenal where we've not strengthened where we need to strengthen it's so obvious for everyone apart from lou van allen and ed woodward strong words as i'm fond of saying um Lawrence, did you give a rating there for, for United? Um, no, I give them, uh, I think Memphis is fantastic. Um, mm. So, yeah, does that not ca- counterbalance it maybe slightly? In some way, I, you know, people in France would probably say you've, ma- you've uh, martial law has set in Manchester <laughs> oh, United. Oh, like, uh, and they've gone crazy. Uh, that's a lot of money to spend on a young yeah, teenager. Yeah, what, what that? That is another perplexing... But again, it's all down to perception. We've not even seen them on the pitch yet. They've given him number nine. We've not seen him on the pitch. Yeah. So, I mean, it's an incredibly exciting front line there. But you can make an, an, you can make an informed judgment from what you know. So, you know, Memphis Depay, I know he was the top scorer in the Dutch league last year. This is a kid people have been raving about for years. And he cost, what, £27.9 million for Martial to have scored 11 He's league got potential, goals. that's what it is, isn't it? Yeah. He's played, what, for fit, over 50 league game, games in Liga already and he's only 19. He mm. scored nine goals in the league last season, a pretty decent record considering Monaco were a defensive team, played on the counter-attack. He played on the left wing, played up front. He's got potential, he's very explosive. I saw the game at um, Arsenal, Monaco, mentioned this many times before. He was really good that day. And he performed very well against Arsenal in the Champions League last 16 game. He's got calibre, he really does, but... Got to give him time, obviously. It's going to be big pressure on his shoulders. People are going to expect him to score 20 goals this season, but it's for the future. It's that Ballon d'Or clause in his contract that if he wins the Ballon d'Or, Roma get paid more money. If he scores X amount of goals, oh, sorry, Monaco get paid more money. And I think that's what it's got to be. He's got, to, he's got a lot of the raw skills, but he needs to be blended into a football. I prefer signings like that because that is how you build a football club. Can I? You know, like Liverpool are doing it at the moment. They're buying young players. I'd rather buy young players than buy sort of a 29-year-old striker called Radaman Falcao, mm. who scored four league goals in 26 games. I'd rather get yeah. can Martial I ask you, can in I, there, young talent. Can I ask you this, though? Are, does, does it at all look, and, you know, there's a real outside perception here. People are like, Edward Wood's an idiot. You know, they haven't signed this, they haven't signed that. And I get that. That makes perfect... Whoa! Sorry, there's a drill downstairs. Oh, <laughs> can you hear that? Um, it's all right. It's just I thought you just had uh, you know, beans for lunch or something. Yeah, no, it's a good joke, Adam. The um, <laughs> sure is it? I think are, it's a sure joke. Are United Cheddar? Are United biding their time? Because Louvengar's not clearly not a long-term replacement. Was he someone mm. who's bought in to steady the ship, keep the status of the club where it is, which is to consistently go into the Champions League, and for them to maybe for a little while rely on the name of Manchester United to get them through and say, "Look, this is what we're going with." One sec. 
There we go. Um, does that, you know, are they waiting for a pep to finish at Bayern? And then are they going to say to him, look, we've got some young, promising players here. We've got Memphis. We've got Marshall. You know, uh, who else have they got that's young? They've got a number of young, good players. Yeah, you know, we've got Yanazar returning. We've got Pereira. Yeah, we've got Shaw. We've got, um, you know, you can shape Chris Smalling. Do you turn to then David De Gea and go, well, we've got the best coach in Europe coming in, you know, do you want to mm. go here or do you want to go to Real Madrid? Are they trying to buy themselves time for another season, which then completely changes the grade? Because from inside, their thesis then reads something like how to bide your time and not spend a huge amount of money until you have it done correctly, which is we- by someone who, by, like Pep who comes in and says, right, this is what we need. Uh, I'm going to buy a load of Spaniards or I'm going to do this. I'm going to put you on a similar <laughs> regime to the one we did at, at Barca and then, and then Bayern and then you go from there. We have 10 minutes, roughly, and 10 teams still to go. Wow. So we, uh, we are up against it. So let's give it a go. Um, briefly, though, very briefly, what are your thoughts on the David De Gea situation? Um, <laughs> so obviously, the, 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 the night before deadline day, actually on the Spanish league deadline day, it all fell apart. It looked like he was going. Then he wasn't going. Both teams blaming each other for the failure of the deal to go through. Dave, are you happy with how things worked out? <laughs> I'm actually yeah, really happy. David De Gea is a brilliant, brilliant goalkeeper top three in the world but it's just funny it's like they, have you seen the statements that have come out from Manchester United and, and no sorry the Real Madrid statement that came out and then the counter statement for Man United it's like being it's at school it's yeah. absolutely brilliant but no I think you know whatever happened De Gea is still at Man United he's going to be pressurised to be signing a new deal now obviously mm. Van Gaal is going to be that stubborn and which wouldn't play him until the Euros Real Madrid potentially are going to have a transfer ban next summer so he might not even be able to move then so it's, it's a big pressure on David De Gea's shoulders and goalkeeper's quite one of those positions where you need to be sort of, you know, you need to have that belief in yourself. Mm. You need to be confident. So the sooner that gets sorted out, the sooner he's back in the first team, will be better for Man United and for Spain for the Euros. Let's move on to Newcastle then. Um, Steve McLaren obviously came in this summer. Now, although, you know, Newcastle probably wanted would have wanted to sign another striker, perhaps in the form of Charlie Austin, they have made some good signings. Uh, Chancel and Bemba in mm. defence. They've got Wijnaldum and Falvin. Who uh, good good midfield reinforcements? Mitrovic, you know, has obviously been uh, he's been quite temperamental uh, <laughs> since he's been in the league. But I mean, you know, the jury's still out there in many ways. But uh, Dave, Newcastle's business uh, things are feeling a bit cheerier at St James's Park this season. Things are looking up a little bit in many ways. Yeah, definitely. I think what Wide Naldum's very good signing, and Bemba was excellent against Man United. I think he won eight tackles against uh, Memphis Depay. Absolutely bullied him. Thovan, a very good creative attacker, very quick, but Mitrovic is a nutcase. He's already got three ye- th- three cards already in the Premier League, two yellows and a red. No player in the Premier League has more cards this season and he's a striker. What a nutter. Yeah. Rating, Dave? Um, a C. They've done all right. Nice. Uh, I think I'll go for a B-. minus. I think, they, as I mentioned, Wijnaldum, Falvin, good signings, and Bemba looks good. Uh, Lawrence? It's one of the best summers they've had in a while, isn't it? But mm. it still is, is maybe not up to the, the way that you want to see the club run. Um, you have to be critical of the long-term plan there. Um, so for that reason, you'd say a C, even though it feels incredibly promising. It's still not, you know, it's, there's potential untapped mm. there. And that's what's disappointing. Uh, Norwich. So a lot of people have been saying that Norwich are lacking a striker. They, they've been creating a lot of chances, but haven't been able to put them away. Um, they ended up with... Dear Mercy Mbakani yes. on loan. I pronounced that perfectly. Mbakani. Mm. Uh, I pronounced it's a Bacarnival, if you will. They, they also brought in Matt Jarvis. 
on loan going forward. Um, they've also got Graham Dorans. Yeah. Uh, Robbie Brady also came in, uh, the biggest signing there, uh, for seven million from Hull. They've got Andre Wisdom on loan from Liverpool. Lawrence, again, it's difficult for a, for a promoted team to sort of compete and get those you know quality signings in, but they, they've done reasonably well. Yeah, um, exactly the kind of signings that maybe you'd expect from Norwich. Um, and for that reason, you'd hope that they would stay up. Uh, the long-term... Uh, the, the long-term goal at Norwich will be to do almost a similar job to the one that uh, Crystal Palace have done. Um, and for a while, you, you would have thought that would happen. Um, but there are there's so much... They've almost come up in the right season because they will get some mm. money from that TV deal. Um, I, I think it's good for now. Uh, I want to see how it plays out. Um, will it play out? You know, what's Andre Wisdom going to be like there? You know, what, what are, how are their signings going to complement each other? I think they'll stay up. For that, for that reason, you give them a B Grading. because because that's sort of that's what they look to achieve. I'll, I'm going to give them a C, give them a bit of a downgrade because they they let Bradley Johnson go, their player of the season from last a bit year. Harsh. Why did they let him go? Poor lad, I don't know. Maybe he just didn't believe in the club anymore. That's just <laughs> strange. That's Where are you? Seems a bit of a fan favourite. Where favorite. are you? Is what I, ask. <laughs> I think they've done all right. They've kept Nathan Redman as well. Obviously, he's been. A lot of clubs were sniffing around him near the window. He's been pretty good since coming back into the Premier League. I think Cameron Jerome will start scoring. He scored 20 goals in the Championship last season. It's just gonna, it's just gonna happen. Uh, Wes Houlihan's obviously started the Prem season very, very well. Free assist. Only David Silva's got more, but they've done all right. It's going to be a D. You know, they've not really excelled. They've just, mm. they've been all right. I think that's what they've looked to achieve. Moving on to Southampton uh, again. There was a lot of talk about players leaving this summer. Um, they have kept hold of uh, Victor Wanyama, who was subject of interest from Tottenham, and also Sado Mane, who may or may not have been subject of a bid from Manchester United, depending on who you listen to. Um, but they've also made some good signings. They've got Geordie Classy from Feyenoord for seven million, and they've also got Oriol Romeu from Chelsea for five million. Virgil Van Dijk arriving on deadline day from Celtic for eleven point five million, and they've got Stephen Corker on loan from QPR. Stecklenburg on loan as well from Fulham. Nathaniel Klein obviously leaving to Liverpool and Morgan Schneider and of course one of the big outgoings 24 million to Manchester United. Another season of upheaval uh, Lawrence at, at Southampton but some good signings replacing those that are leaving. Yeah, certainly so. Um, I, I wonder whether the system in the longer term sort of uh, serves this Southampton side well. Uh, we've seen them have some up and down results early on so it's difficult to see uh, whether it's to do with the signings or whether it's to do with the actual the system at the club um i within the context i think again they've probably done well but it's more signings where you sort of think uh, and you're right to say keeping players was also fairly key within this uh within this window so i'm going to give them somewhat of a b because i i think it's they've not made any actually you know what a c because they should have made some incredible signings in this window um and until the end of the season it's difficult to sort of say well the essay's finished if that makes sense rating grading I said C. Sorry. I'll go for... Uh, I think I'll go for... I like Stephen Corker. Shame he left Spurs. I think he's a good signing. Steckenberg is a good backup. Van Dijk, I think, could prove to be a very astute signing. So I'm going to go for a B-. minus. Dave, what about you? I think I'm going to go for a C as well. I think Romeo was pretty awful against Everton. Sitting on the fucking fence all the time. Um, I think he could maybe be. right. I'm going to go with a D. Then I don't know if they've done as well Ooh, as they have done in previous like windows. Jordi Classy's coming. He's, he looked good, but he's been injured. I don't know if they've. It seems like they're just not really 
brought enough goals in maybe like to, to keep it to keep this moving on to keep this trend have they kept the wave going that's the question uh, Van, Van Dijk I've not really seen much of him um, for Celtic you know 11 million quid that's a little bit of a gamble Stephen Colker yeah he's, he's pretty decent but it's uh, it's a strange one for Southampton they've not done as well you know think of last season they bought Pella they bought Tardic they bought Mane these were really really key signings for Southampton I don't think they've done as well as last year so I'm going to go D definitely they've not improved enough Surely one team who's definitely not a C is Stoke City. They've had a lot of incomings and some... Like Ibrahim Athalai on a free from Barcelona, a player people were talking about a lot of years ago. Um, we also have Shea Given on a free from Aston Villa, Glenn Johnson on a free from Liverpool, uh, Marco Van Ginkel on loan uh, from Chelsea. So I mean, on the face of it, Dave, it's been a good window for Stoke and they've brought in an interesting calibre of player. They definitely have, but I think if we, you know, a Stoke moving away from their defensive uh, solidarity, sorry, solidarity, being solid in defence, sorry, that was absolute rubbish talk. Um, yeah, so in terms of Shakiri, he's a wonderful player, but obviously mugged him off a bit by not even turning up to the first time they'd offered him a deal. I'm not too sure about Athalai, you know, potentially a little bit too weak for the Premier League, but for me, they lost Stephen and Zonzi. He's been their best player for the last, like, three or four seasons, you know, completing more passes than any other player at Stoke. I think that's a massive loss. And I think that's been, that's been sort of covered up a little bit, that they're sort of strong, cent- you know, Shawcross is out injured and Zonzi's gone. That was their strong core. Mm. It's going to be questionable for Stoke this year. They've, they've started off pretty, pretty poorly, you'd say. What rating are you going for? Um, going to go for probably a, a C plus. Wow. Uh, Lawrence, are you going to go for a C again, sit on the fence? Uh, no, I'll go for a B because I like yeah. the excitement yeah. of their signings. No one's got an A, bear that in mind so far. City, haven't they? We all gave City we'll an A. minus. That's not an A. Ooh, uh, okay. I don't think any team's getting an A. Well, one well, thing I would maybe. say is if you've signed uh, Glenn Johnson within your transfer window, uh, reassess your, your overall goals. Um, but, <laughs> but, but, but it's still a decent, it's, it's still a solid life. signing um, for, 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 for Stoke at least. Yeah, I think it's interesting. I think I'll go for a, a, a B as well. I think I'll that's go fair. for a B, yeah. Sunderland. Come on to Sunderland. Now, a team everyone thought was going to be in trouble. They're not looking great this season. (laughs) So, they have signed Fabio. They signed Fabio Barini for around 8 million for Liverpool. I don't know how you got 8 million. (laughs) 8 million? uh, Liverpool Liverpool only paid 10 for him initially. That is a great recoup of money. Yeah, yeah, somewhere where Spurs were getting a lot of kudos for selling Soldado for, for you know, whatever it was, 7 million, 10 million. Hope B for getting money for Paulinho as well. I think Barinia, 8 million is quite something. That's impressive. Um, they've also signed Sebastian Cuartes from Liverpool for 2 million. Yunus Kabul, they paid 3 million for some reason to Spurs. <laughs> and they've also got Jeremiah Lenz from Dynamo Kiev for 8.5 million. And perhaps one of their best signings, they've got Jan Via from uh, Ruben Kazan. Now, again, this is a player who there was a lot of hype surrounding him a few years ago. He's a little bit inconsistent, a little bit temperamental. But if he's harnessed correctly, that could be a great signing in the middle of the park, couldn't it, Lawrence? Yes, at the same time. Um, and I'm going to go again on another thing. I love, I love listening to Kristen um, uh, saying that. Who doesn't? who doesn't? Good point. Um, what I would say is this is a club that should be bigger than where they are. Within relative terms, what they've invested there was a massive lowering of expectation last season when they almost dropped out the Premier League. But we've got to remember where this club was looking at before and where they were aiming for. So I'm going to give them a D because I really feel like they've done... that. They're doing well to sort of claw back what they have, 
but I don't feel like they've done enough. I feel like it's a fairly lazy signing to re-sign Dick Advocat again. That's probably makes it a poor transfer window for them. And I'd also say they should be aiming much higher. They've got all the infrastructure that could make them a much bigger and much better club, and they continually don't act in that way. And you'd say Newcastle are in a, in a similar vein, but at least they've tried to invest something um, and brought in a, a fairly savvy Premier League manager. So I'm going to give them a D for that reason. D, okay. Mm. Um, I think I'd agree with that. What about you, Dave? Give him that yeah, D. I think, I think it's a it's a D or an E, maybe a D minus. You know, Eunice Kabul, um, Adam Matthews, and Court and Courtois. Is that a, no? Sorry, not Courtois. Wow, mate, that is, that yeah. is revelations <laughs> on the podcast. Ter- terrible transfers, but I, I do like the signing of of Toynevin and and Lenz. I think they're going to be quite good in the Premier League, but they're just not really done anything of any any value in terms of strengthening the defence. They've still got West Brown and John O'Shea in there, obviously good in their heyday, but now. Not quite there, and Kabul is just crazy. He's, he's, he was done years ago. I, I couldn't agree more. Um, so moving on, did you give it a rating there? Did you go D? D? Yeah, D, D minus. Okay, so let's move on to Swansea City. So arguably, they've made one of the signings in the summer in Andre Ayew on a free from Marseille. He's already got three goals and an assist for Bafatimbi Gomis against Manchester United at the weekend. Mm. On the other hand... Their other signings are, are a little bit more mysterious. We've got Botti Baiabi from Falkirk on an undisclosed <laughs> deal. We've got Adair from Braga, undisclosed. Ollie McBurney from Bradford City, undisclosed. Christopher Nordfelt from Heronveen, undisclosed. And Frank Tabanu from St. Etienne, undisclosed. So on the face of it, although Andre Ayew is a great signing and an absolute bargain, they haven't got a lot of quality into their team in other positions. Lawrence. Uh, yay. Uh, yay. <laughs> yay. Says, yay. Um, yay. Uh, correct. Although the system and uh, what they've done so far with it does seem to be working for them. Um, so, uh, you know, m- maybe that's the bigger picture there is that Swansea and, and Southampton are in a similar vein. They can bring people in, fit into the system. Um, how long that will continue? I don't know, but Gary Monk seems to be able to get that consistently out of the players. Andre Ayew, I was going to say, is probably one more inspired signings of the summer. Free, first of all, like you say, and second of all, offers a huge number of um, positional options and also is the kind of player where when you need something done, for instance, say you're 1-0 down or you're looking for the win, you want to throw him up front because you just feel like he's that kind of guy who gets those kind of goals. Um, and it's because he's savvy, reads the game very well, and will get sort of tap-ins from those areas. You wonder why someone else like it. I mean, if Andre Ayo had signed for Liverpool, I would have been incredibly excited. Um, yeah, it's quite interesting because he wasn't like when I, whenever I saw Marseille last season, it was always um, um, Bula that sort of stood out in their midfield, and he was quite quiet. But then he's come to he's come to Swansea, and he's been brilliant. He was brilliant against Man United playing on that right hand side you know him and Gomez their link up is, is pretty good and it's you know it's a progressive Swansea like you said it's, it's, it's good to see I like it yeah B B, B. I think I'm going to go for a you know what I'll go for a, a C minus because I think as you said I was a great signing but maybe they could have brought more players in um Oh, fine. Well, here we go. Tottenham Hotspur. Yeah, <laughs> wow, that is a long list of outs, isn't it? No. So, yeah, okay, the positives first. There was a, a lot of deadwood shipped out of the club. Yeah. Um, Roberto Soldado went to Valerial for seven million. Benjamin Stambouli for six million to uh, PSG. Etienne Capu went to Watford for six million. Uh, Paulinho went to Guangzhou Evergrande for 9.9 million. 
all players signed uh, in the windfall from Gareth Bale's move to Real Madrid in 2013. All gone. Also, Yunus Kabul's gone for three million. Lewis Holtby's gone for 4.6 million to Hamburg. Uh, DeAndre Yedlin's gone out on loan. Brad Friedel retired. Vlad Chirikes, thank God, has left. He's gone to Napoli for 4.5 million. Incomings now. To be fair to Spurs, there have been some good signings, I think. Some good, solid signings. We've got Toby Alderweireld for 11.4 million. Son Hung Min, which I think could prove to be a very good signing, 22 yeah. million from Bayer Leverkusen. Uh, Clinton and G from Lyon for 10 million. Kieran Trippier, who I think is a great signing, good competition for, uh, for Kyle Walker at right back, 3.5 million. And Kevin Wimmer, the young centre back from Cologne, 4.3 million. For all those additions, obviously Spurs missed out on. Sado Barahino, who was the striker that we, that we potentially needed, and also Victor Van Yama, the potential central defensive midfielder we needed. So for all the positives, there are negatives, Dave, in the players we missed out on. Yes, we kept the likes of Hugo Lloris and Harry Kane, who has been a lot of speculation about this summer, but two key signings, two key positions that we really, really needed to strengthen in, we, we didn't manage to bring anyone in. Uh, I think he's done all right, you know. And G and and Son are very good signings. I'd rather have those two They're at my not. club than than Berahimo because he he seems like a bit of a loose cannon, a bit of a nutcase, you know. Coming yeah. out yesterday yeah. and all that, that absolute rubbish. But Son, he's very very good on both feet. He's got an absolute cracking shot on him. He will score goals in the prem from distance. It'll combine well with Harry Kane. I think that that relationship will be yeah. pr- pretty good. Interesting theory though from my actual boss at Squawker, Leo Harrison, tweeted this this morning something about. Spurs at the moment, they're just waiting for that new stadium. So they're selling the players. That are, they're obviously making a bit of cash in the window. They're breaking even. They're not making massive signings. They're signing young, talented footballers and looking to sell them to sort of pay for the stadium. They're sort of, are they doing an arsenal? I mean, that's an interesting way to put it. As you say, the stadium is on the horizon. We've got a sort of, I don't want to say tread water, but we have sort of got to keep our position uh, as best we can. I think that they are very good signings. It's just a shame when... And obviously, we did have the money to, to buy Barahino. We did make bids of up to almost 25 million. You may be questioning the timing of those bids, and maybe we didn't go the best way about it in order to get him. As you say, Sun and, and G are good signings, but I wouldn't say they're out and out strikers. They're more wide players previously, they're their previous clubs. So I just feel like if Harry Kane gets injured, we are in big trouble. We're looking at <laughs> Adebayor, who's <laughs> still there. Might have to be in- great him and try and get him to do, to do a job but I mean that's that is the big worry for Spurs fans but I think you know defense has been a big worry for for a long time we've made three uh, great signings at the back to strengthen there so I mean there's positives but there's also negatives I think I'd have to go for a for a B for Spurs I think if we'd assigned either the striker or the central defensive midfielder it might have been an A or an A minus for me but um Lawrence what, what do you make of Spurs with there um you're being a little bit generous. Yeah, maybe I got the, the various technical classes on. But. There's a lot of frustration with Daniel Levy, isn't there? Um, there is. Uh, to put it in context. I think again, they're sort of middle of the road. Um, they could have mm. done much better this summer, but has Pochettino or Daniel Levy got exactly what they wanted? Probably not. Um, no, no, like no. you say, they're still lacking, um, and because of that, and because there's other people who've improved around them, they've sort of dropped back from the pack. So yeah. for that reason, you're going to have to. I think I'm going to have to give them sort of a C okay. plus because there's some solid signings, yeah. but nothing that sort it of is, in, inspires. And you could say the same with Liverpool. Really. It's somewhat of a, but it's somewhat of a missed opportunity for Spurs in a way. Obviously, 
the Very ball. Much so. what was the, one of the biggest areas they need to strengthen was up front. They bring in Benzeke. Spurs, I think Spurs made a bid two hours before the window closed of 23, 24 million for Barahino, which just seems. Is, is the, wor- is the worry there, though, Adam, that if you wait too long, other people will have invested and you're already too far behind? And catching up is difficult think, then. Yeah, but I mean, what can you do with the stadium on the way? It's obviously a big outlay. You can't, you know, Spurs can't go around splashing the cash now. But I think these are good solid signings that should help us sustain our you know, fifth, sixth position. And it's a good foundation for us to build on in January, the next window. So I, I can't be too downhearted, but it would have been great to get a striker in. Um, but anyway, moving on to Watford. Dave, are you laughing at something? Yeah, sorry. Van Gaal has just bantered off um, Victor Valdez even more than he previously done. He's just We've just um, seen Man United's Champions League squad has just been released and... <laughs> the goalkeepers are David De Gea, Sergio Romero, and Sam Johnston. Oh, so man. Victor Valdez hasn't made the cut. Are they going to like? Are they going to cancel <laughs> his contract or something, Valdez? What's the... I'm not sure. They obviously, he changed his um, Facebook uh, background back to the Man United one. But Van Al, I don't know, he's a nutter. He's an absolute nutter. Critical, really, isn't it? When people we... change their Facebook background. Yeah, nutters. Yeah, right. Great. We have got three teams left to run through, <laughs> and we've run badly over time. Yeah, go so ahead, let's, um, let's go for Watford next. Um, I mean, it makes sense as they're the next team alphabetical. Um, so they they've had somewhat of a, a quiet window. Um, an eye-catching signing yesterday on deadline day was uh, Victor Ibarbo, the FIFA legend. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, absolute pace monster on FIFA. So, <laughs> surprising, a good signing. Um, they've also brought in Etienne Capoue from uh, Spurs. Uh, they've also got Alessandro Diamante coming into the team. Uh, Nathan Ake on loan from Chelsea. Um, and, yeah, Barami has come in uh, from Hamburg for an undisclosed fee. So, there's been a number of signings, not necessarily quality signings. But, Dave, what have you, what have you made of Watford's windows? Do you think they've done enough to keep them up or maybe not? Um, I'm not too sure. It's a strange summer. They've made loads of signings. You know, Diamante's a good deal. Um, Alari that they've bought from Club Bruges, very talented striker, was pretty decent against Man United when he came on. Pacey, six foot five. Uh, it's going to be interesting just to see where they fit in. Abarbo, uh, last season for Roma, was. Um, I watched a few games and he kept on like, getting put clean through, but they're messing up the chance. So we'll see whether he can, you know, sort his chance conversion out in the Premier League but it's, it's going to be interesting uh, Enrique Sanchez Flores may, may be the, may, he may be the one that will that can sort of change our perception on those those three teams that have been promoted and, and Watford could be the team that stays up uh, Lawrence what have you made of oh, Watford's wheelings and dealings I mean that's the thing there's so many ins and so many outs there's so many variables there um, th- that list is I think longer than anyone else in the Premier League apart from uh, Spurs mm. I'm I'm going to say because of the because of the management and the excitement that that brings and, you know, the fact that so far Watford have sort of fudged it, I'd imagine they're going to fudge it to stay in the Premier League. Um, but that's mainly because there are maybe teams that will not survive just behind them. It's, it's difficult to grade them, really, because it's almost yeah. like they almost confused us into sort of going, yeah, you know what, maybe they're all right. I don't know. There's so many signings there. Like, yeah. you know, if, if, you know, if Liverpool, Spurs, United made that many signings, people go, that takes a while to gel. But for some <laughs> yeah. reason, not Watford. <laughs> not Watford, mate. C minus, I'll go for. All right, fair enough. I'll go, I'll go C. I, yeah, I genuinely, I, I, it's almost ungraded for me. I don't really. I'm going to uh, go B. I think they've gambled. Yeah, maybe you've got to admire their balls. Like their yeah, balls they've gone chips in, haven't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, West Brom. Right wing? 
West Bromwich Albion next. As we mentioned, they have kept hold of Sado Brahino. Whether that's going to turn out to be a wise decision or not, uh, we, we're going to find <laughs> out soon. He's promised on Twitter never to play for the club again. What a great promise. I think, I think we will see him turn out at some point. But, um, you know, it's interesting that they, they, they were desperate to keep hold of him. They've also um, made the club record signing, Salomon Rondon. Uh, from Zenit St. Petersburg. They've also brought in Serge Nabry on loan. Uh, they've got Johnny Evans from Manchester United for £6 million, Ricky Lambert on a free, and Anders Lindegaard from Manchester United on a free. Yeah. James McLean as well from Wigan. Um, that's an undisclosed the absolute feed. banter merchant. So, I mean, as well as keeping Barry, you know, which is important uh, potentially for, for West Brom, they've made some solid signings. Rondon looked good on the weekend, Lawrence, for, for West Brom. Yeah, looked fantastic. Um, looked like the, the kind of player maybe that... Uh, Tony Pulis wants at West Brom. Um, Ricky Lambert, I, th- I think Ricky Lambert's a great signing for the summer. Um, you know, I think he offers quite a lot to a side. He was hugely underutilised at Liverpool, went forgotten. Um, and they've got a lot of players who were, this is almost the Moneyball-esque um, sort of thing. They're not going to win the league though, so that's why it's not Moneyball. Um, they've got a lot of players there undervalued at other sides. Um, and again, it's down to perception, isn't it? And Tony Pulis seems to be very good at getting the best out of them. What? C? B? No, B. B. Okay, yeah. B. B. I think B, a, a B. B is a good grading. I'll agree with you there. B for Brom. Dave, disagreeing? Um, I'd say that they've done they've done all right. I think the James Chester transfer was a bit weird. £8 million for him. But I really like the signing of Johnny Evans. He's a fantastic defender. Uh, Redondo, you've mentioned, obviously, a good goal scorer. I think it was 14 goals for Zenit last season. Um is going to be interesting. Ricky Lambert's quite good. I'd say they've done all right. I'd, I'd give him a B. Yeah, I think we're all in agreement there. The final team, we come on to the final team, West Ham United. So obviously, Dimitri Payet, wonderful signing. People are already raving about him, looking very good. Um, and they've also made an, a number of signings to address uh, potential weaknesses out wide, you know, in, in midfield. So they've also brought Mikel Antonio from Nottingham Forest for £7 million. Yeah. They've also got Nikika Jelovic from Hull City for £3 million. Not a great running, but I mean, we'll move on. Uh, Pedro, oh, I just don't rate Jelovic whatsoever. <laughs> I think he's a good backup striker for them. Yeah, but yeah. In, you know, he's, he's not exactly going to... I can't see him starting for them anyway. Pedro Obiang uh, from Zabdoria, 4.3 million. Angelo Ogbonna from Juventus for 10 million. Uh, Paye, as I mentioned there, from Marseille for 10.7. Uh, Darren Randolph from Birmingham for free. And they've loaned in Carl Jenkinson, Victor Moses and Alex Song. So a number of players coming in there. Um, the loans, isn't it? I mean, Victor yeah. Moses and Alex Song, that was too fantastic. Victor Moses, yeah, arriving yesterday on deadline day. Could be a very good signing uh, for West Ham. Out wide, brings them a, a lot of pace. Alex Song, again, a good performer last season uh, in patches, perhaps. But a solid signing in midfield. Uh, Carl Jenkinson has not had the best start to the season, I think it's fair to say. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, it's solid. It's, they're good, solid additions to the team. And Dimitri Payet is a bit of a bargain for 10.7 million. Yeah, yeah. Good point. You say so, but I think they've, they've, the biggest error that they've made that I've mentioned before is signing that crazy Croatian. We'll have to see what he does. He, he's, he seems, sorry, Croat. Is that the correct way? I apologise to any Croats listening. Uh, Dimitri Payet, but then they've got um, Lanzini, who looked very good against Liverpool, Victor Moses, and, um, you know, there's too many wingers there for my life. I don't know who's going to be in the first team, and I think that's going to be the issue for Bilic. It's who's going to be in the first 11 for West Ham, and how is he going to get that blend right? And I just. Can't see it happening. He, he's too hot and cold. You know, they beat Liverpool, they beat Arsenal, but then they lost the other two games. It's, it's, 
It's going to be a weird season for West Ham. It's a weird one. Um, I mean, Adam, I think the, the most critical signings in the Premier League this season have been uh, really done off the field. Um, and, you know, a huge amount of that is Jermaine Defoe and who he got as his secretary this, yeah, this summer. In many um, ways, yes. You know, in many ways, if, if you're looking to build a world brand, which I believe, you know, the likes of... If you if you were to list three names as a world brand, you go Nike, you go Adidas, you go Jermaine Defoe. Yeah, I um, And within that, it's who he's signed. And I believe Glenda from Rochdale will be a fantastic signing oh. for him uh, this year. You know, her typing skills are on another level. Um, I've heard she's an way, absolute... I've heard her in the kitchen. Yeah, her, her app design is is of another of, is of another world. Um, Something else. And she recently redesigned the MLS logo. Um, so <laughs> I think really when we're looking at great signings, you know, uh, Glenda's the big one really for Jermaine. Um, welcome to the Premier League, Glenda. Um, you'll love it here. Get in the waters. The waters full of money. <laughs> and on that note, I can't think of a better place to wrap up the podcast. This transfer window Premier League review special in many ways. We've been going for an hour and an hour and a quarter now. So I think um, You might be asking up. yourself, why did we waste this much time on transfers? And you don't know. Um you won't get an hour of your life back. <laughs> I was so I actually sorry. found that very interesting to run through each team, to see the weaknesses, the ins, the outs, to run through them all to grade them uh, mainly C's but uh, I think it was uh, well, you've just listened to an hour that. of men Sorry. consistently just sitting on the fence you drew a picture of us your heroes in some ways um, and your heroes have let you down I want to say <laughs> just Dale just add a fence in the background of that picture um, and put the true Geordie right in the middle of it alright yeah send, send, send that over to us update it in that way um, but listen maybe next week you know because we did a transfer special here we haven't exactly you know expanded our horizons maybe next week we can do two episodes maybe yeah well now we've got extra space on soundcloud i think we can also adam i think one thing you've definitely done is you've misled people there by saying we're about to do a new on twitter by saying we're about to do a new episode of uh, the front three podcast and then people have gotten their questions in Mm. and you've just gone you know what yeah, fuck mm. that. No one gives a shit. Um, I think to, to, to make up for it, I think maybe we could do like all questions. special questions episode next week. A little, you know, because it's International Week. You know, oh, yeah, I know Lawrence loves International Week, but not everyone does. Maybe we could keep the people entertained, the good people who listen to the podcast. With that, that, an extra questions that, podcast. gives you a week's window now to get your questions in. Before yeah, you've got a whole week. And um, we will literally try and answer them all. Um, within within a two-hour gap. <laughs> and then we'll cut into two episodes anyway this <laughs> so lazy. that was a great thanks again for listening remember give us five stars on iTunes <laughs> I think that was a great session I enjoyed myself guys if you're listening at home I hope you enjoyed it too um, do send your questions in for next week at the front three on Twitter your suggestions maybe your criticisms of this podcast I think it was good fun myself but anyway that brings it into the podcast listen Dave where can the good people find more of your work just on Twitter, guys. Squawker Dave. S Q U A W K A D A V E. He's so modest. Uh, and He's so Lawrence, modest. How do we make sure people don't get confused with the other Lawrence McKenna? What, what way is there to do <laughs> your stuff? Um, if you, if I mean, it's very simple. I'm not an ear, nose, and throat surgeon. Um, and at the same time, uh, uh, genuinely, uh, and I'm worried that that's how I'm going to the route I will go, Adam. Yeah. L O Z C A S T. Find me out there. You can find me on Google. Um, and of course, of course, uh, there's there's Adam Boltwood, 
the number two of the podcast. Thanks. Yes. Uh, Dale in the lane. Well, I think, you know, the I think in many ways, Dale, Dale uh, sent us a picture and he said, I've taken, I've drawn an image of all your souls and mm. I put you at number one, Lawrence. And I was like, thanks a lot, Dale. Mm. What, what would you, where can people find you if you want to find you, Adam? He made a typo with his hands. But uh, you can find me <laughs> at Adam Bowood on Twitter or the Football Republic on YouTube. Go and check it out. We just did a top 10 of the most expensive transfers from the summer. And I'm getting a lot of stick because I said Raheem Sterling was 49 million and I said Martial was 36. And people are saying, oh, it's only 49 for Sterling with add-ons. And they're bantering me off. Oh, so, um, what, what, about, what about De Bruyne? Yeah, he's number one. He, he yeah. is number one. So spoilers there. Uh, but Wait, don't, don't bother with the video now guys <laughs> just uh, I mean, <laughs> the top three or four of you yeah. anyway thank you very much for listening uh, to this week's episode of the front three we'll be back next week and I think we should do two episodes you've got that to look forward to um, until then we'll see you then see you bye bye <laughs>